Percy, what say you about many journeys that often start out very problematic but require a shift in direction for a favorable outcome? You know, how true this is in so many cases, Wayne, my goodness. I'm actually reminded of the fact that, as an example, Steven Spielberg was twice rejected by USC School of Cinematic Studies before ever winning three Oscar award trophies. Yeah, and, you know, simply put, uh, as my mom often told me as a kid, it's not so much about how you start, but in fact about how you finish. And so today, we're going to hear from someone, and I think we should really unpack this conversation. All right, this patient had to survive a roller coaster ride to tell his story. That's next. The following program is produced and sponsored by Cancer Treatment Centers of America. The information discussed during this program is not medical advice. Be sure to talk to your medical doctor for information and advice relating to your health. And thank you for making the choice to join us now. This is Health, Hope, and Inspiration with Percy McRae, Director of Faith-Based Programs at Cancer Treatment Centers of America. My name is Wayne Shepherd. privileged to be with Pastor P each week, and we're going to talk today about sometimes it gets worse before it gets better. Boy, that's that's really true, isn't it? Yeah, it really is. And that can be the case for, you know, individuals on a cancer journey as well, that things may not start out great, uh, but can end up in a very different, you know, type of situation. And that is the case for this a particular cancer patient and the story that they were share along with his caregiver of his wife mm-hmm. uh, that they had to make some course corrections and they had to change some directions and a uh, good thing that they did uh, yeah. the end of the story ends up being very well yeah percy are you encouraged by the response we're getting to health hope and inspiration i am i i am always encouraged because i know that cancer as a conversation is not at the top of mind of individuals. People don't sit around, you know, like we often talk about how's the weather and how's your Mm -hmm. favorite sports team. Cancer is not on the top of that list, but it is a conversation that I think that most people uh, in the privacy of their own mind have thought about or wondered and pondered about. And certainly those who have gone through the experience uh, have something to talk about. And so I'm always encouraged to be able to have a platform for a difficult conversation that really blesses and inspires people as they move along. So, yes, sir. And as we've said many times, there's hardly anyone alive who's not touched in some way by cancer, either a a relative, if not themselves, or a close friend or someone at church. It's all around us, isn't it? Well, not at this point, given the statistics that we have, according to the American Cancer Society, one out of every two women and one out of every three men at some point are going to be diagnosed with cancer. So uh, another cancer organization said that somewhere in the neighborhood of about 31 32 uh, percent of people uh, in their lifetime potentially are going to be diagnosed with cancer. So there is a there is no one that is, uh, you know, hidden from this conversation or from the impact of this subject. And so we just we just bring it out into the forefront right. to have dialogue about it at the end of the day. Yeah. And you do mean dialogue because we love to hear from listeners. You can reach us through our website, healthhopeandinspiration.com. We often post questions there. And uh, matter of fact, we have a question right in front of us right now we'd like to ask our listeners we do so as we continue this dialogue part of that dialogue includes this question have you ever had to change a course of direction to ultimately get to your destination have you ever had to change a course of direction 
to ultimately get to your final destination. Please feel free to share that with us and let us know how and what and what the outcome was as we continue to bless and encourage others and as you continue to help us do just that. So there's several reasons to go to our website. First of all, answer that question if you would at healthhopeandinspiration.com. You can also download the free resource, The DNA of Cancer, and I'll ask Percy to describe that in just a moment. And you Mm. can also subscribe to this podcast if you haven't done so already. Maybe you kind of haphazardly found this po- this program, this podcast, and you want to subscribe at healthhopeandinspiration.com. All right, back to the resource, the DNA of cancer. What's this? Uh, what need is this meeting? Yeah, so with this, uh, cancer uh, as a disease has a DNA profile. And what we have learned and what we are now learning, it's, it's part of kind of the excitement of the cancer community, quite frankly, that the way that cancer now is being approached is through looking at the DNA profile of a cancer to then establish how to actually treat cancer versus just kind of lumping cancer into a general grouping and, you know, kind of doing a hit or miss kind of dynamic of treatment or some type of standardized uh, treatment. It's now looking at the uh, individual DNA profile and then attempt to treat cancer specifically from that profile. Mm -hmm. And so this document actually explains uh, uh, advanced genomic testing that we're going to hear quite a bit about uh, with our interview today and explain what that means. But again, it's another resource and another weapon to the cancer community. If you don't remember anything else, uh, do your research, ask your attending doctor about advanced genomic testing to look at and identify what is the DNA profile of the type of cancer that you may have, which may very well change the type of treatment or dictate the type of treatment that is required that can be more precise and individualized. This document will give you great insight to all of that advanced work that is being done today in the cancer. I have some questions about that, and um, perhaps we can talk more about that later after we meet our guest here today, which is coming up next. If you or someone you love is fighting cancer, I hope you'll consider Cancer Treatment Centers of America, a comprehensive cancer care network where they treat the whole person, body, mind, and spirit. Visit our website at healthhopeandinspiration.com and click on Sponsor to learn more about cancer Treatment Centers of America, or contact a member of their team with questions you may have about your treatment options by calling this number, 866-712-HOPE, 866-712-HOPE. Cancer Treatment Centers of America uses a patient-centered approach and a wide range of technologies and techniques to deliver precision medicine, personalized care, and spiritual support. Learn more at healthhopeandinspiration.com. So let's meet our guest today, along with Percy here on Health, Hope, and Inspiration. Well, hey, it's good to be back with you for another episode of Health, Hope, and Inspiration. And I have another compelling story. I have another compelling cancer patient uh, who's going to share their story uh, and help us to be inspired and encouraged around uh, their journey and their pathway uh, in treating with cancer. Uh, He's a retired police officer. He's a father of three. Uh, And uh, he had uh, stage four rectum cancer treated at Cancer Treatment Centers of America, Atlanta. Uh, He is now deemed medically as no no evidence of disease since January 12th. And so we're excited, diagnosed in 2018. So today we welcome to this platform, Ed Russman. How you doing, Ed? Doing really good. 
Thank you. Oh, man. Uh, thank you. Again, you you are the reason why I do this, as I've often said on many of our shows. Uh, many cancer patients over my 25 plus years of supporting them have often said to me, uh, nobody wants to talk to me about my cancer. No one really wants to hear what I have to say, uh, primarily because of fear or ignorance or whatever. And and I've often said that cancer patients have a story to tell. The question is, do they have someone who's willing to listen? Well, we've created that platform. And here we are some six, seven years later, over 200,000 people that listen to us on a weekly basis, uh, talking about and listening to the unique stories of cancer patients just like you. Having said that, part of the introduction is uh, that you were diagnosed in 2018 with stage four rectum cancer. And so stage four, everyone knows, you know, represents presents the fact that you were, you know, you are on the very serious end of the spectrum with regard to staging. And yet here you are today, basically with uh, your medical record stating that there is no evidence of disease. But let's go back to the day, the day, I call it. Uh, I understand that day very well. I remember the day I was told I had cancer. Where were you and how did you feel when you heard the words, you have cancer? Uh it was actually in 2016. Uh, I was at the doctor, doctor's office. Uh, and uh, after he told me, he and after he told me some other things, I, I really thought it was a death sentence. Mm. I, I didn't know a great deal about cancer, but uh, I knew it wasn't good. Yeah. And uh, so I... Uh, Based on the picture he painted, I thought it was a death sentence. And it's interesting that you would say that, my friend. Again, so many, when we hear the word, and in many cases, regardless of who says it and what circumstances that we hear it, uh, as one former patient that I used to support for many, many years said to me when she wrote her book, she said, cancer is the only word that you hear in big, bold letters in your head. And in many cases, you don't hear anything else and it's hard to process anything else. And for many, because of cancer's reputation and history, uh, tend to associate death and dying. And the good news here today is that we know, and we've talked about it on this platform, that in the last you know 30 years, the incident of death of cancer has dropped precipitously by about 30%. So the good news is everyone's not dying from cancer. And you're one of those people who are here to tell that story today. And so let's talk about the fact after you heard that and then after you felt that, uh, and I know that, you know, you are a family man, uh, you're, you're married, etc. You had to go back and tell your family. You had to go back and, and share this. Uh, let's talk about how you had to do that and what was the reaction. I know your wife, Sandy, uh, and, and your three girls, your three daughters. How did they react to hearing the news that you had cancer? Well, actually, actually, my wife, Sandy, was with me in the doctor's office. So he was he related it to both of us. OK, um, after uh, after he told us, uh, we didn't tell anyone because we wanted to make sure that we got to our children first. That makes sense. Uh, we didn't want something on social media for them to find out yeah. accidentally or whatever. So we didn't tell anyone else. And then we made a trip. Uh, we made a trip to uh, Central Florida. We lived in South Florida at the time and uh, told our oldest daughter first. Uh, and then we went to our our other two daughters who are twins and 
we told them. Okay. Okay. And so you, you, you share that news and that's always a hard day. That's tough to do. Uh, particularly when you have a close knit family, because as I've often said, cancer is not an individual sport. It is, it is a community disease. It impacts family, friends, and loved ones along with the patient. And so, uh, that's always a difficult transition to bridge into with your family and friends, but you do that. Uh, again, I appreciate the fact that you thought through that you didn't want your girls to hear that secondhand, and as we say on the south side of Chicago, on the streets, that you wanted to make sure that you were able to kind of step them through that conversation, and uh, God bless you for that. So you you get through that process, and, and you begin to seek treatment and care, and from what I understand, uh, and we won't go into any great detail, obviously, is that you uh, began treatment, uh, you know, and, and received treatment, but for whatever reason, and I'll let you tell this story in your own words, um, either didn't feel comfortable with that process or you thought you needed to get a second opinion. Let's talk about that a little bit. Uh, well, I, I went through, first I went through radiation, five weeks of radiation. Okay. Then I had a six-month round of uh, chemotherapy. Okay. Standard, standard treatment for uh, rectal cancer. Yeah. And then, I, and then uh, almost a year to the day of uh, my diagnosis, I had... Uh, rectal surgery to remove the tumor. So you had the trifecta, you had the big three. Unfortunately, uh, prior to that surgery, uh, almost from the beginning, uh, I, I knew that it had spread to my lungs. So, oh, okay. So, uh, so I was dealing with uh, cancer in my lungs and also that, the, the rectal tumor. So anyway, I, I had the rectal tumor removed. Um, it was a difficult surgery. I had complications and it didn't go well. I lost a lot of weight and uh, uh, was really in a weakened state at that point. Uh, okay. And they, they wanted me to have lung surgery to remove the cancer. I had it in both lungs, but they felt I was too weak uh, at that point. So uh, I had did six more months of uh, chemotherapy. And uh, the treatment wasn't working. The stuff in my lungs was growing. Got it. So uh, we felt like that we needed to get a second opinion. We weren't. So so you you, you start treatment and care, and you, you do the big three, which which is rigorous, to say the least. There's no question about that. And somewhere along the lines, um, you came to terms with that this is not working or this is not as effective as you think or thought it would be. And you shifted gears. You said, "Listen, I'm, I'm, I need to go do something different, and and go somewhere else different." How did you make that decision? And let's talk about that transition. Well, actually, uh, actually, my wife made that decision for me. Okay, which uh, is pretty typical, was, believe it or not. That's pretty typical. That's not a surprise. No, I, was, I wasn't in a good state. Uh, it, had, it, had, the treatment had really worn me down. I think they call it chemo fog. Yeah. Uh, uh, and uh, okay. So she was doing research. She found out uh, some things, and and she wanted us to go somewhere else and, and try something different. And you know, I second opinion. And you to know, verify I, what they were doing was the right thing. Yeah, and I think for the sake of because I want to get both sides of this story. 
that we will have, we will interview your wife so she can kind of give us that variation of how that took place. Uh, and, and we'll do that at another time on a separate interview because I think it's compelling and, and it needs to be said. And we need to hear her words, uh, particularly since she was kind of driving the bus at that point. So we need to let her kind of <laughs> uh, help us to understand how she navigated that path. But there were two things that then I guess once the decision was made to treat elsewhere, which ultimately ended up being Cancer Treatment Centers of America, you engaged in two other additional treatment processes. One was called targeted therapy, and the other was geno- advanced genomic therapy. Uh, for people who are not that familiar, and we don't want to be too clinical here, what is advanced genomic testing from your perspective as a patient? Well, what it is is uh, the, the test I had, uh, to do the test, they have to have a sample of the, of the cancer tissue. Okay. All right. So to do that, uh, I had surgery on my right lung and they removed, uh, three nodules that I had in my right lung. Okay. And they, they used that tissue to send away for testing and they tested it for over 300, uh, cancer mutation, different cancer uh, mutations. So what they try to do is with these mutations is they, if you're in their database, if those mutations are in the database, Mm -hmm. They can match it up with drugs uh, that have been used in the past to treat those particular mutations. And in my case, uh, it came back uh, HER2 positive with an amplification, which is a common breast cancer mutation. Yeah, yeah, I'm familiar with that. And what's interesting about that, um, when I hear that, Ed, is that, you know, if I can kind of just simplify that a little bit, you know, we're talking about the ability to really take a look at the profile, individual profile of your particular type of cancer and then associate a more appropriate or precise or more exact treatment for that type of cancer mutation versus kind of a hit or miss kind of dynamic. And when we think about this and, you know, for the audience, this has become kind of the uh, uh, the wave of the future of where cancer treatment is trying to go, uh, of being more precise. And that leads us to the fact that then that led to you having what is called a targeted therapy at that point, correct? That's correct. Um, I had, had, I had, I ended up having two lung surgeries to remove all the cancer, um, before I started the target therapy, but 12 weeks, 12 weeks after I had my left lung done, which was my worst lung, uh, my cancer came back. Okay. So I had three new nodules in my left lung after 12 weeks. So I, I began the uh, targeted therapy uh, then. And, and, and this makes your story so even much more amazing, uh, Ed, when we talk about the fact that today uh, you are considered, you know, uh, with no evidence of disease. And, if, and I don't want to put words in your mouth, but would it be safe to say that uh, being able to access or be offered what is called advanced uh, genomic testing, was that a game changer for you? And, and and was that worth the change of going to see one facility versus the other? Did that make a difference as far as you're concerned with regard to where well, you are today? Absolutely. I, you, you hit it, the nail right on the head. It was a game changer. I, uh, I started targeted therapy, and the way it worked was I got an infusion every uh, three weeks with uh, Herceptin and Progetta, which are basically their breast cancer drugs yeah. that, they had, that they treat breast cancer with. Um, 
So after uh, nine weeks, and I would get a scan every nine weeks. So after nine weeks, one of the nodules was gone, and the other nodules were starting to break up. Wow. After 18 weeks, it was completely gone. I was, I was no evidence of disease after 18 weeks of targeted therapy. Amazing. Amazing. And so, wow, I, I could do a whole segment just on that alone, but you see this amazing transition and, and trajectory that clearly, you know, uh, says to you, hey, uh, potentially I can live with this and not die from it. Uh, I would have to imagine that somewhere along the lines, your faith or your belief in God, and I believe that there is a, a faith and spiritual orientation to you, helped you to manage through the highs and lows of everything that you just stated, because uh, every day can't be on top of the mountain where your cape is flowing in the air and you have tough days and you have difficult hours. Let's talk about how your faith uh, enabled you to work through the transition of the highs and the lows that has now brought you to this point of being uh, labeled as no evidence of disease. Well, uh, in the early part of my treatment, I, I think I had to lean on God a lot more. Yeah. Uh, things were, uh, things were a lot more difficult then. And I had those, I had a lot more of those highs and lows then. And it wasn't just me leaning on, uh, I had a lot of people helping me. Yeah. A lot of prayers, uh, I know of one church group that was praying for me every Sunday. Oh, and, praise God. Uh, so anyway, uh, it got me through it and I knew he had, I knew he had a plan and you know, I just had to, I just had to run with it. Amen. I knew I had, had to do my part too. Amen. But, uh, well, the good thing about the targeted therapy was I didn't have any side effects. Okay. So it was in in my mind it was a miracle. I mean, I was I was getting this treatment every three weeks. Uh, I didn't have side effects. I was living uh, good quality life. Yeah. No evidence of disease, and this went on for almost two years. Wow. Um, well, and and here's here's the big takeaway, and and hopefully someone that's listening today will feel this and I'm sure that they will is that this really, you know, the cancer journey is not necessarily about how you start, but it's about how you finish because things can happen along the way. And as was the case for you, they did, uh, you know, uh, you had to, you had to, uh, recalibrate, you know, take a different course of action. Uh, you made that adjustment, you know, you had to do some rigorous treatment that wasn't all pleasant or good. Uh, you had to do some things that were a little new and different out the box that was recommended, you know, as a second voice and an opinion. Uh, and then, of course, your faith being uh, part of the capstone that helped you through the difficult days, which allowed you, I would assume, to rejoice in the good days. And here we are today uh, telling your story. Uh, you are a walking, talking testimony. You're a billboard, my friend. 
and people need to hear, even with a stage four cancer diagnosis, as the scripture says, that all things are possible to them that believe. But even more important, uh, I hear the scripture that comes in my head that says that God says in Jeremiah, I know the plans that I have for you, say of the Lord. And the only person who really knows the plans that God has for us is the person that gave us those plans. And so thank God that uh, you found a new course of navigation and uh, you followed that course in our closing seconds. And God, I could talk to you forever. You're, you're, I'm inspired by listening to your story. And I hear I do this every week is um, what would you tell someone today that keeps your hope alive or keeps your hope activated? What drives your hope? Well, if I had to tell someone today about cancer, if they were diagnosed, I would tell them uh, not don't let fear be their, mm. their guide. Uh, don't let fear make make your decisions. Uh, cancer is not necessarily a, a death a death sentence any longer, and there's some really good treatments out there that could help you along. And uh, I think as long as as long as long as you have life, you have hope. Amen. Uh, Amen. If there's life, there's hope. Amen. And, uh, that's what I believe. Uh, well, thank you, my friend. I appreciate that. And, and it's absolutely true. Today, you have heard from Ed Russ, stage four rectum cancer patient who did the trifecta of radiation, chemotherapy, surgery, and then did two other different things that may not be very common to everyone and who's here today to tell his story that he has survived cancer. And now he is being listed as with having no evidence of disease. I thank you, sir, and I bless you. And may your steps continue to be ordered of the Lord. And may you continue to see good days as you continue to stand tall like a redwood tree. Thank you for being on Health, Hope, and Inspiration. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yes, thank you, Ed. And thank you, Percy, for bringing that to us. We'll talk more with Percy here in just a moment. Caring for people living with cancer is a growing need in every church today. To address this issue, we've developed the Our Journey of Hope Ministry Leaders Network to equip and empower every Christian leader to better meet this great need. If you are a pastor or a leader in your church or congregation, we want to invite you to join our growing family of informed ministry leaders in the Our Journey of Hope Ministry Leaders Network. Joining the network is absolutely free. When you sign up, you'll receive online access to exclusive leaders' resources. You'll receive information about ministry training opportunities and our informative monthly email newsletter. Visit our website, healthhopeandinspiration.com, and click on the Our Journey of Hope logo at the top of the page and join the Ministry Leaders Network today. Well, Percy, as I uh, listen to your conversation with Ed, boy, I tell you, this, this guy's really been through it, but God's been good, hasn't he? He has. Yeah. Uh, he's a retired police officer. So we know he's kind of a, you know, a tough guy. Yep. You know, you, you can't you can't be a softie and, and be a police officer. That's for sure. And he had stage four rectal cancer, uh, you know, diagnosed in 2016. And he went through surgery, uh, chemotherapy, radiation and, you know, did not experience a lot of success initially with his treatment and care. And uh, he and his wife made the decision that they needed to do something different. And his wife you know, came across some research online about advanced genomic testing. Mm -hmm. And from there, uh, changed courses of their direction of where they treated and the type of treatment that they received. 
And as a result, found out that the type of mutation uh, that the cancer that he had, you know, started out as rectal cancer, then it metastasized to his lung, uh, was a mutation of a breast cancer, which is interesting. And that's that's the beauty of genomic advanced genomic testing. It takes a look at the DNA and the genetic profile of the on a cellular level of the type of cancer that you're dealing with. And I don't think that anyone would have thought or guessed no. that cancer that started, you know, uh, in one area that metastasized to his lungs, that then ultimately had a um, a mutation of breast cancer. Yeah, especially and that's how in they, a male, right? That, that is correct. And so that's how they treated that disease. And as he said, that was a game changer for him. And, you know, today he is now considered... Uh, you know, no evidence of disease in his body at this point, Wonderful. considering how he started. And so it's an amazing story when you listen yeah. to it. And the genomic testing really was the turning point. It was the pivotal point that unlocked the the, the course of action here, right? That is absolutely correct. So, again, according to their words, what they were doing initially was not being successful. It was not working. And uh, by his own admission, he said he was pretty much out of it. You know, he was really struggling. And uh, and his wife then kind of got behind the wheel of the bus and said, we got to do something different. And that's where the advanced genomic testing entered into the conversation. And again, the ability to take a look at the genetic uh, profile of one's particular and specific type of cancer to see if there is a specific type of treatment plan a protocol that will be more effective. And in this particular case, it absolutely was. And again, as he said, it was a game changer for him and how grateful he is today. All right. And by the way, I should mention that on a future program, we'll meet his wife, Sandy, as well. We will. And and Sandy's story is, is compelling because uh, she got involved at a point when she thought that it was time to do something different. And, and Ed said he really was not mentally and emotionally in a place to make that decision. Uh, so we're going to hear from a very powerful, proactive caregiver that also came and made a difference in the process. And, of course, we always salute and shout out caregivers. Yeah. You won't want to miss that episode to hear from Sandy and how she tells her story on how right. she did it's that. It's coming up soon. But back to Ed, one thing that I picked up on the conversation was the whole issue of fear. And uh, don't let fear guide you and make your decisions. That was an important lesson he learned. It absolutely was. And he can speak from this. Obviously, you know, he had experienced, uh, you know, some pretty low moments in what he initially was attempting to do from a treatment protocol perspective. And I would imagine that, you know, he had an opportunity to allow fear to grip his heart and maybe even polarize or paralyze him. Uh, I often share with people, I think that, the biggest uh, affect of fear is that it can polarize us or it can paralyze us where we won't do anything and we just kind of get stuck in a place. And in this particular situation, neither he nor his wife, Sandy, did that. They did not allow fear to paralyze them. It, it, it motivated them to take some additional action steps and to make a course correction. And so his big takeaway is do not allow fear to make you make certain decisions or not make certain decisions, but allow but allow fear really to generate uh, a, a moment of I need to do something different uh, and I need to course cor- correct myself. And that's exactly what happened in sure. this situation. And I'm glad that they did that. Yeah. And of course, it's common and it's understandable that fear would come into a person's life when they get this kind of diagnosis. I mean, we, we understand yeah. that. 
Yeah, fear is part of the, you know, it's it's on the menu, whether we want it or not, as I as I often think about it. And it's not so much that that we have to deal with fear, Wayne, it's how we react to fear. It's the way that we make an adjustment due to fear. And so with that, you, uh, you know, you can't have courage really until you are faced with a fearful situation. So fear facilitates uh, all sorts of things. And it's just a matter of how we react and what we do as a result of that. And so, yeah, we can't avoid the, the dynamic of fear, but we certainly can change the way that we react to it and how we allow fear to impact us. And that was certainly the case for this husband and wife, for sure. Right. Well, Ed and Sandy had to change course, didn't they? And they're so glad that they did. So we're asking listeners this week to tell us, have you ever had to change a course of direction to ultimately get to your destination? Answer the question for us, if you would, and maybe we can base some future programs on the responses that we get. You can answer at healthhopeandinspiration.com. There's also free resources there, including this week's featured resource, the DNA of Cancer, which touches on this genomic testing that came up in today's conversation. healthhopeandinspiration.com. Well, Percy, I have a confession to make. We always like to open a program with scripture. I didn't even give you the opportunity to do that today. I apologize, but let's make sure that we talk about the scripture that goes hand in hand with what we've talked about now. Well, as my mom used to say, better late than never, my That's friend. Right. So thank with you. that, uh, thank you so, for your forgiveness. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. So our our spiritual nugget that we want to close with, and it it helps to support the thought. Uh, one of the uh, closing thoughts of of Ed was around not allowing fear mm-hmm. to kind of take you in a particular direction. It's found in Isaiah, the 41st chapter, verse 10. And it says, fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. And this is exactly what happened in their situation as they were working through, you know, uh, some really negative challenges. And and his initial treatment plan was not working. It was not effective. Uh, Things were not going well. And uh, his caregiver, his wife stepped in and said, we need to do something different. She did some research came across the concept of advanced genomic testing uh, that uh, Ed said was a game changer for him. And he did not, and she did not allow fear to uh, paralyze them and not doing anything. And so they shifted gears, they changed courses of direction. And today, as the recording of this particular show, he is now listed as no evidence of disease being found in his body after having a stage four cancer diagnosis that then metastasized to a different part of his body. Thank God that he did not allow fear to dictate to him what he could and could not do. Absolutely. All right. Well, that's it for this episode of Health, Hope, and Inspiration. As always, our thanks goes to Reverend Percy McRae, Director of Faith-Based Programs at Cancer Treatment Centers of America. Pastor P, until next time, God bless you, man. Hey, love you guys and be well and continue to be encouraged. And remember, we've got work to do. Keep chopping the wood. We'll talk soon. We'll see you right here for Health, Hope, and Inspiration. Health, Hope, and Inspiration is produced and sponsored by Cancer Treatment Centers of America. If you or someone you love is fighting cancer, consider Cancer Treatment Centers of America. We treat the whole person, body, mind, and spirit. 
Our hospitals in Atlanta, Chicago, and Phoenix take an integrative approach to cancer care. We use conventional medical treatments to attack the disease while helping patients manage side effects and maintain their quality of life by using evidence-informed therapies like nutrition and naturopathic support, along with pastoral care, pain management, and other supportive care services. Treatments are tailored to each patient's specific needs. Visit healthhopeandinspiration.com to view our cancer-related resources or to contact our oncology information specialists about questions you may have about your treatment options. Working together under one roof, our cancer experts use state-of-the-art technologies to deliver precision medicine, personalized care, and spiritual support. Learn more at healthhopeandinspiration.com.